0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pen of the People podcast. I am your host, Justin. And today, I've just got a few notes about things going on around the league, different storylines heading into the first week of the preseason. Obviously, I've already recorded an episode and released an episode about storylines during training camp. I've had you know, the interview recently with Seth, which I'm really appreciative of. For all you guys tuning into that and listening to that, I'm really, really happy with how that ended up turning out. Um, but as you all know, the preseason is about to begin. I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 10th, which is two days before preseason actually kicks off, not including the Hall of Fame game. I mean, that obviously was was last week, but preseason week one, that's about to start. So I do just want to take some time to speak a little bit about things going on around the league I haven't really had the time recently to record a big episode like some of the previous ones have been, hence why it's been like a week since the past one came out, and this is going to be a little bit of a shorter one. It's been tough over the past week finding time to record a long episode, but I just want to make sure that I put something out for you guys and not just leave your feeds completely empty. Uh, I, I just So, so I just want to put something out at the very least, and hopefully I can resume putting out longer episodes on a more consistent basis sooner rather than later, but the first thing that I want to bring up is, as a Jet fan, this hurts especially, the Makai Beckton injury, Robert Sala said after practice when he heard his, when Becton hurt his knee, that they didn't even know if it was sprained, They they said that the knee was stable. And they thought it was nothing. They thought he'd be back in a couple days. Then the reports start coming out later that night. You you get the tweets from Ian Rappaport, Mike Arafolo. Sources say that the initial optimism has faded and that it's significantly worse than the Jets initially thought. And then the next day comes out, avulsion fracture to his patella. In other words, broke his kneecap, which does not sound fun at all. Uh, and he's more likely than not out for the entire season, which is just a brutal blow for a guy going into his third year in the league. Really, really exciting player to watch in his first year. He was dominant. He did give up, if I remember correctly, seven sacks, which you you look at that on paper, not a great statistic, but you watch him on film and, and you watch him week in, week out, those 16 weeks that year. Well, he, he missed a couple weeks. He he did have some issues. Um, with injuries but minor minor things weren't it wasn't a huge worry at that point The, the weight did cause you to be a little bit concerned about potential injuries in the future but he was excellent his rookie year then last year going into training camp he was dealing with plantar fasciitis which that that is that is a serious thing especially for a guy like him who weighs at least during games during the season hopefully he's at 370 pounds but reports have said that he's ballooned up to over 400 before during the later parts of seasons during the off season. So at least he got over that entering last year, but then he hurts his knee and then he needs surgery. And then we all thought he he got hurt in week one. We all thought it would be, you know, maybe a month or two, maybe three months max. He ends up missing the whole season. We just don't get updates on him throughout the season. And he just misses it. He blows way past whatever timeline we were given which was really, really, really unfortunate. And then there were reports all this offseason that he got really out of shape, and then you even saw him in mini camp, you know, not in the best of shape, which a lot of people have attacked him for. And you saw Robert, or you heard Robert Sala speak about this a little bit recently, about how in this day and age with social media, with Twitter, people tend to dehumanize these athletes. Uh, and he spoke about Makai And how people would dehumanize him and just reduce him to this overweight being, which is not fair to him because we saw him work his tail off. We've seen him do that throughout his career, and he has managed to keep his weight in check. And we saw how incredible shape he came into training camp in, which, congrats to him, hats off to him. He did an excellent job getting in shape. And you could tell how hard of a worker he is. Like, he, he truly is... Like he is a dedicated he is someone all you hear about him is that he is dedicated to his craft and that he, you know, pushes through this adversity that he's been facing. But then in training camp, this happens and you cannot help but feel terrible for the guy that this is going to be the second year in a row that he misses the season last year. He played a little bit in the first half of the first game of the year, but then he went down with the injury and this year is not even going to make it to the preseason. And it's really, really, really unfortunate for such a talented guy, for a hardworking guy who's overcome a lot. And it, it did send shockwaves throughout the league. And especially as a Jet fan, it is really tough to watch. And hopefully he comes back better than ever next year. And hopefully it is with the Jets. No one really knows if it will be with the Jets when he comes back. But there are options, at least in the meantime. I think that George Fant is probably going to stay at left tackle. And then they've got Max Mitchell, the fourth-round rookie, who could start at right tackle. They might also start Chuma Adoga, who, as someone who's watched him the past couple of years, could tell you that he is absolutely horrific, and if he's the starter, we're screwed. Connor McDermott sprained his ankle recently, so he's not really in that competition right now. But he might be even worse than Adoga. You guys who aren't Jet fans might remember him being the guy, the offensive lineman who lined up at tight end last year and caught that touchdown from Zach Wilson. He's not good. Like, he's brutally bad. My hope, what I hope is that we sign Dwayne Brown because what we've, what everyone has heard, or everything that's been reported recently, is that there has been a lot of dialogue between the two sides. He was at the green and white scrimmage, which the Jets have every year. I was actually there. It's pretty cool. I actually, afterwards, I, I got to meet and, and take pictures with a few guys, Joe Flacco, Elijah Riley, both of the offensive and, de- the offensive and defensive coordinators, both the coordinators, Michael Floor, Jeff Ulbrich. So that was really, really cool. But yeah, green and white scrimmage is fun, but Dwayne Brown was there. He was on the sidelines. I know I'm getting a little bit sidetracked, but he was on the sidelines with Joe Douglas during that. And he even took a physical with the Jets, but it sounds like he's just negotiating a contract at the moment. Like, that's kind of the holdup, like just getting the financials down, which is a good thing because it means that he probably will be a Jet once all is said and done. And that, that is the resolution that I am hoping for because he is a really talented player. He is very, very old, obviously, but he still proved last year with Seattle that he could be a very effective offensive tackle in the National Football League. So that is something to watch out for, for what moves they might do there. But all in all, it really is just an unfortunate, unfortunate situation with Makai Becton, and I I wish nothing but the best for him, and I hope his recovery goes smoothly. Really, that's it's, it's greater than football, some things. It's greater than football. So next, I would like to speak a little bit about a development that came out or was shown to the public a few days ago and with the Chicago Bears, star middle linebacker Roquan Smith, who was taken in the first round a couple of years ago, 25 years old. He has demanded a trade. Because contract negotiations with the Bears, their new front office, Ryan Poles, that new regime, negotiations have not gone smoothly with them. So it's something definitely to watch out for. And Ian Rappaport, he tweeted out, or excuse me, he said, the overall APY average per year, it looked like a lot. But in reality, this is a quote from Ian Rappaport, but in reality, it was a backloaded deal where maybe the last year the deal was way higher than the rest of it, bringing up the deal artificially. Uh, Excuse me, bringing up the average artificially. So it is not sort of real money. I know there was a de escalator clause, which is really rare, which he does not appreciate. The negotiating style of the Bears is something that sounds like he is extremely frustrated with. So that basically means, in other words, they are pushing all the money towards the end of the contract, maybe when it might not even be guaranteed. We don't even know that. But it could be a way for them to get out of paying him a lot of money. And it would be bad for him. It would be bad for the linebacker market as a whole for linebackers across the league because they would end up making less because the the record really is not being reset here even though he is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. So he requested a trade. He's been holding in at camp, which is something that's become more common recently because of the new CBA holdouts aren't really a thing anymore because the penalties are much more severe for holding out if you do want a new contract. So they're doing hold-ins where they – go to training camp but they simply don't practice like we we've seen that even with Debo he got his new deal that he was a hold in a lot of guys are doing that but he requested a trade and i personally would expect him to fetch at least a first round pick because he is he's probably not even in the prime of his career yet i would argue and he is already an excellent excellent player he was a top 10 pick out of Georgia a couple of years ago and It shows his talent and he's proven the Bears right for making him the pick because he has been nothing short of excellent on the field. He has been unstoppable, not unstoppable, but he's been certainly one of the better linebackers, middle linebackers in particular, in the NFL since they've taken him. And as a result, he is going to cost whichever team ends up paying him, whether that's the Bears or a different team, he's going to end up costing them a lot of money and this year He's earning just south of $10 million with the fifth-year option because he was taken eighth overall 2018. So that's about the value that is set for that fifth-year option, and it's based on other things as well. But that's that's the amount of money that he's going to be making this year, and he is going to receive a significant increase in pay. But as of right now, he is somewhat affordable for a team this year, but you're not trading for Roquan Smith as a one-year rental. Because you're going to give up significant assets and you don't want to give that up for a one year rental, as well as, you know, the, he's 25 years old. You wouldn't rent a guy like that. You want to sign him long term. Like that is, that would absolutely be the plan for any team that deals him. But it's yet to be seen if he is actually dealt because this sort of just came out, this news very recently. Ryan Poles even held a press conference to say our intent is not to trade Roquan Smith. Whether that intent changes again, that is yet to be seen. But this this is certainly something to keep an eye out um, for. So moving on, we have the Deshaun Watson ruling, something I want to speak about. Sue L. Robinson, the judge who sort of put out a, a ruling on this, her her decision, her judgment. Six games, suspend him for six games, and that would be it. He would not lose much money at all. He would still make... For, like for over $40 million this season. And after the six games, that's it. He goes back to the field and nothing after that. So as you would probably expect, there was a ton of outrage from the NFL community and rightfully so, not just the NFL community, all sorts of communities because people recognize, regardless of whether you're an NFL fan or not, you've probably heard of Deshaun Watson, especially people, you know, a- activists for sexual assault survivors and things like that they they know the story and they know how disgusting it is like like we all know how horrible this is and the fact that he got a six game suspension and is still gonna make 40 million dollars guaranteed this year is so horrifying and the nfl is appealing it goodell roger goodell commissioner came out recently and said that they're pushing for 17 game suspension and fine him many millions of dollars. I believe it was about $10 million, the fine that he specified, which I personally think is still a little bit ridiculous because he is still making $30 million this year with that. And after that, he would still have, I believe, $210 million left on his contract, guaranteed. Why is he allowed on a football field again is what I don't understand. Like, they're arguing the suspension he's going to be out this year or for part of this year that the next year is not going to have an issue. Most likely he's not going to have an issue who, who knows what's going to happen. But the fact that a team would trade for him, give up significant assets for him, give him $240 million guaranteed. And he's going to be able to play football. He's going to be able to play a child's game for tens of tens of tens of millions of dollars each year. It's sickening. Um, So, We'll see what happens with that because the judgment made by the judge, six games, NFL, as I said, they're appealing this. So we'll see what happens. And then I do have two more quick little headlines, things that have been in the news recently with the NFL. The Washington Commanders did something very interesting. They fired Sam Mills, Sam Mills III, their defensive line coach, and his dad, his late dad, rest in peace was inducted into the Hall of Fame last week, the former linebacker. And Sam Mills, his son, Sam Mills III, he was the defense, as I said, he was the defensive line coach for the Commanders. And Ron Rivera made the decision to fire him this week, which is an interesting decision during training camp. He'd been with Rivera as an assistant coach since 2011, since pretty early in Ron Rivera's time with the Panthers, actually. And... Ron Rivera, his explanation for the firing was that it was just a quote, just a difference in philosophy for the most part. I felt like it was a change I needed to make. That is odd. That is not something you see very frequently in an NFL training, in training camp. Like you don't see that happening before the season. So something here seems a little bit odd. If it were just a philosophical difference, I don't know why he would still he still would have been on the staff heading into training camp or heading into the season it doesn't make much sense to me uh, I think that they're probably I don't mean to speculate but there probably are things going on behind the scenes that we are not aware of regarding this and I'm not blaming anyone for anything who knows what it was but it just seems like a very fishy situation uh, like the, some something I feel like was going on there they have a super talented defensive line like super, super talented. I mean, they've got so many guys on that defensive line. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young. They really do have a lot of guys. And hopefully, uh, whoever steps in for the future, they, they can harness that talent in a way that Ron Rivera apparently felt Sam Mills could not. So moving on, one last thing. I just want to touch on the Seahawks quarterback battle. It sounds right now like Geno Smith is in the lead for the role for the starting QB job in Seattle for the Seahawks. It sounds like he has been better in training camp than Drew Locke. And it does sound like he's also going to start their first preseason game, which is an indicator that as of right now, he's the starting quarterback. He's the one running with the ones. So I think that that is something to watch because the it, it, I think it would make sense to anyone or at least to an outsider that internally Seattle would be rooting for Drew Locke to win the job. He's the young guy. He's the one they just traded for or or at least the one that they got back in the trade with Denver when they sent Russell Wilson over there. So they would probably want to see him take that next step, be a leader, be the guy who can potentially solidify that job for the future. But it does not seem like that's happening. So still things could change in this preseason in training camp. But it is a thing to keep an eye on because it does look like Gino is the guy as of right now in Seattle. So keep an eye on that because that is going to be a very interesting QB battle to say the least. So that is all. I know, very quick episode, but I just wanted to make sure I got something out because I really don't know. Or or I I am not sure when I'm going to be able to sit down and do a, a long episode like I typically try to do. Hopefully it's soon but I just want to make sure I had something out especially before preseason I wouldn't want to go so long between episodes and then just miss having anything before the start of the preseason so yeah I just felt like this is something that I should get out and yeah thank you all for listening I really appreciate it I'm glad for I, I, I'm very I'm very appreciative of all the support that I have received over the first couple of weeks of doing this podcast. I I truly, truly am grateful for it. It really does mean a lot. And hopefully Pender the People keeps growing, keeps getting bigger, more people keep listening. Those who are still listening, you guys continue to listen because I know it's gonna be a lot of fun wherever this podcast goes. It is going to be a fun journey. So thank you so much and take care. Catch you next time.